This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that Right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the podcast New Books Network in Latin American Studies. I'm Elise Mazadiego, Marie Curie Fellow at the University of Amsterdam, and your host. Today we'll be talking to Lisa Blackmore, Senior Lecturer in the School of Philosophy, Art History, and Interdisciplinary Studies Center at the University of Essex, and Liliana Gomez, Professor of Art and Society at the University of Castle about their edited volume, Liquid Ecologies in Latin American and Caribbean Art, published in 2020 by Rutledge. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. So before we dive into the specifics of the book, could you begin, as we often do uh, in this podcast, by telling us about your professional trajectories and perhaps how they led you to co-editing this book? Sure. So uh, first of all, thanks so much for the invitation to talk about this book. Um, It was several years in in the making um, and the fruit of some really lovely collaborations with colleagues uh, across the world, in fact. Um, And so to to speak to this question of the professional trajectory, um, I'm a British researcher based in Essex, which is a university just north of London. Um, And I'm split between art history and interdisciplinary studies. So looking at um, particularly Latin American um, art and also um, social, political, environmental issues affecting the region, um, with a real interest also in dis- interdisciplinary practices and methods, um, as well as curatorial practice. Um, we have a collection of art from Latin America at the University of Essex, which is part of the, the space where um, I work. And I came to Essex um, through a kind of quite a, a, a kind of wiggly route through academic um, work. I, I studied languages originally um, and moved then to Latin American cultural studies in London um, and then moved um, that kind of research practice across the Atlantic um, and uh, moved to Venezuela. Um, so my 
practice back during my doctoral years and postdoctoral was very much focused on the kind of long history of modernity, but the very specific way in which um, authoritarian government was accompanied by modernist architecture um, and a sense of the experience of modernity. Um, and that was the focus of my doctoral dissertation and also my, um, my first book um, following that. Um, and that work expanded that sort of thinking through of the intersections of modernity and politics and aesthetics into postdoctoral work looking at political violence um, in Venezuela and also in the Dominican Republic um, as accompanying this experience of urban modernization um, and transformations of landscape. Um, so this is kind of quite broad cultural history work, but also looking at spatial history, spatial practices, um, and also the archives where records of collective experiences of change are held um, or become invisible. Um, and that was some of the ground on which Liliana and I kind of found ourselves kind of sharing quite common um, um, research questions. Um, Following the experience, I, I taught for a little while in the UK uh, at Leeds University and then started a three-year postdoc um, on the project post uh, Modernity in the Landscape in Latin America at the University of Zurich, um, working with Jens Anderman. And it was there that Liliana and I met um, and began to not only collaborate on the Liquid Ecologies project, but actually as well, um, we were both working on film um, methods as a, a research practice. Um, I was making a documentary at the time, co-directing one. Um, so we were interested in the way in which academic research and scholarship is also kind of expanded beyond text-based work into curatorial practice, filmmaking, um, and other realms. So there was that on one hand, and on the other hand, um, we were working on the seeds of the Liquid Ecologies project by uh, organizing a workshop with colleagues from the visual culture um, section of the Latin American Studies Association, LASA. Um, and that began, if I'm not wrong, in 2016 um, or 17. Uh, Liliana's probably going to correct me. Uh, we brought together um, most of the uh, authors who then were in the volume um, at a author workshop uh, and then began this work of, of crafting the, the volume. Um, my own personal work with water began in 2017 really at the end of the postdoctoral work and I started looking at questions of um, hydropower in the Orinoco Basin um, and also um, sanitation works and kind of urban channeling of water in the Dominican Republic um, and now I've kind of carried that work on with new case studies over the, the, the successive years and, and particularly through a international art practice, um, an interdisciplinary platform called Entre Rios, which started in 2018, um, which organize, we organize exhibitions, artist residencies, publications, uh, workshops, etc. So that's now leading um, onto a new monograph project. Um, which will look at water art and infrastructure um, as a way of imagining the hydro commons. Um, so yeah, that's the that's the the the, the kind of the the meandering route um, that's got me to to Essex. Great, thank you, Lisa. Liliana, 
Yeah, thanks, Lisa, for um, retelling a bit the foundations of that um, Liquid Ecologies project that took many roots and rods, so to speak. Um, I think it was in 2016 when you first presented a very small panel at the LASA conference in Lima um, to explore some of the ideas and also the, as a theoretical level, the, the, the concept of liquid ecologies. And from there on, we expanded in, into a larger um, framework, theoretical framework that then got its fruits with the workshop we held at the University of Barcelona as a pre-workshop of LASA, inviting basically the authors that then were so generous to continue to work with us for the Liquid Ecologies book project. So that has um, many um, faces already included and many branches we we are somehow exploring through both through the water and through the metaphor or the concept of water or liquid. And um, I think this was, um, for my part, I say, a, a very fruitful exchange with Lisa, who indeed I met in Zurich when I started a um, Swiss National Science Foundation a professorship for uh, the research project Contested Amnesia, Dissonant Narratives and Contested Amnesia, looking at the role of cultural production, particularly the arts and literature in post-conflict regions, and they're looking in particular at Colombia and at the uh, Middle East. So um, in that sense, um, Lisa and I started to collaborate um, um, both based in Zurich. I then moved to Kassel only recently, last year, when I um, accepted this new appointment as a professor um, of arts and society, which is a transdisciplinary professorship, including both um, art historical approaches, um, cultural history approaches, material history and literature. Um, I'm based here at the University of Kassel, um, have another second affiliation with the, the art school at Kassel. So breaching, so to speak, um, the humanities with the artistic research, which is realized by the new um, artists that are um, at the university, or let's say the Kunsthochschule, the art school of Kassel. At the same time, here in Kassel, we are building up a a new um, institute um, with the, the focus on um, exhibition studies and art, contemporary art in the global context, which uh, has the famous name of Documenta Institute. And I think this kind of constellation between the newly founded institute and uh, uh, the University of Kassel, with, which has a very strong emphasis on humanities, and the art school makes it very pleasant for me here and productive to think and develop some thoughts further. My disciplinary background, it's, it's an, let's say, interdisciplinary one. I studied architecture in Paris and uh, Berlin many times ago. And when I concluded, I just found that I needed to um, dedicate myself more to philosophy and literature. This was the way uh, into the humanities and um, where I realized um, later on a thesis, doctoral thesis on the Latin American modernity and its um, rapid urbanization thinking through the episteme of the urban. Um, and 
um, as it is used here in Germany and then had the chance to finish as well my second book, which is the, let's say, the po big uh, postdoctoral project. The book will be out um, by this fall. It's called Archive uh, Matters, where I look in particular at the very uh, rich um, photographic archive by the United Fruit Company, reading the archive against the grain, looking at the absences and silences of the archive to better understand how images are used to um, ground, let's say, the corporate capitalism um, developed by the United Fruit Company in the Caribbean. And that said, um, really um, brings me back to the very productive collaboration with Lisa, as she mentioned it, we have many fields there intersecting and I think uh, liquid ecology is one of the main um, materialization of this um, thematics overlaps. Great, thank you <clears throat> for those introductions. Um, to go into the book then, um, what brought me to your edited volume was, in, in fact, uh, the essay by Esther uh, Monivas titled Water, Women, and Action Art in Latin America, Materializing Ecofeminist Epistemologies. Um, and as I was thinking about, as I'm thinking about histories of art in Latin America that address ecological destruction through feminist frameworks, um, I was particularly interested in the author's rating of artists from across the Americas, including Digi Clark, Anna Mendieta, Yeni Nan, whose performative experiments with art express a, a permeable relationship between the body and nature. Now, um, Water would seem to be the central feature of your book and largely the substance that connects each chapter to one another. But as you both explain in your introdu introduction, the book is, is much more nuanced um, exploration of its varied conceptualizations. And uh, what you do is propose to, quote, think with water in an ecology of fluids, flows, and spaces so I was wondering if, if you could both expand on this premise for the audience, explaining what you mean by liquid ecologies, and, um, and maybe, Lisa, you could start, start us off on that conversation. Mm. Yeah, thanks. So this is really central to what we were proposing with a sort of conceptual framework and um, liquid ecologies as an analytic. And it's this question of moving beyond the kind of literal um, and framing of water as either oceanic or uh, as freshwater, um, that literalization of water as material. And that doesn't mean that we don't engage with it, um, but I think we were much more interested in expanding this question to the fluid dynamics related to um, liquid ecologies understood not just as uh, entailing water, um, but also other modes of flow, um, representations and conceptualizations of flow and fluidity, but also their retreat or counterflow. Um, and this enables us to think of ecologies also in the sense of entanglement rather than enclosure or separation, which is vital to thinking with water in general, um, but also um, important for 
considering the relationships between human non-human realms as constitutive of um, the planet and the kind of social, political and ethical implications of how it's inhabited. So these issues also kind of can be thought of in, in the terms that Astrid Naimanis puts forward, right? water is always some place, some time, somewhere, and that is deeply situated, and this is what feminist um, eco-criticism and, and feminist practice more broadly has brought to the fore, this question of the situatedness, the, the um, storied lives of, in this case, uh, liquid ecologies in which we're, we're entangled, um, and also the kind of the broader movements that can be traced through water. So one example of this is the way in which globalization, um, free market economies, um, mobilize an imaginary of unfettered flows, which is by no means um, a literal appeal to specific aquatic environments at the same time borrows from that imaginary of fluidity um, to propose you know, this horizon of progress. And so we're very much interested in, in thinking through um, those mobilizations in discourse and the symbolics of forms of uh, sociopolitical and economic uh, systems which we could then trace back through uh, history. Um, and also the ways in which bodies of water are absolutely imbricated in Latin America with life worlds that are also um, antecedent to and, and contrary to the enclosing logics of extractive capitalism. And this is something that um, Juliana Borea and Remba Yawarkani addressed and contributed a very important discussion in this regard um, to Amazonian um, water worlds that are completely imbricated with life. And so we're very much interested in that lively matter um, that is liquid um, and, of course, not just limited to, uh, as I said before, either freshwater or oceanic um, environments. And that was part of the framing of the book moves in that sense to make a contribution to the blue humanities, which has been you know, richly, richly uh, established and theorized very much through um, the important work done with maritime um, history. Um, and we recognize that and want to build on it and interact with it, as well as entering much muddier waters of, um, as we do, kind of contaminated flows, hidden flows, um, and so on and so forth. So that, that was really kind of this issue of the situatedness of specific liquid uh, phenomena, as well as this abstraction of, of water as a discursive and, and symbolic um, framework. Yeah, Liliana, did, um, would you like to add to that? Or? Yeah, maybe I can just um, add two aspects. The one is, as Lisa mentioned, it's um, we thought uh, with or thinking with water really means to take in water also as an analytic um, concept. And in that sense, um, connecting it, uh, counter reading water against, uh, let's say, its co-modification as it is shaped by more Western epistemes mm -hmm. and to dedicate 
to really dedicate um, to read uh, the, the actually also the artworks and the aesthetic practices we have chosen for the book, liquid ecologies, and to to read these practices as they mobilize water and rethink water in a very complex organic um, uh, way. Th this has some implications, so to speak, some epistemic implication as it breaks the dichotomies between solid and fluid or between water and soil, which are in the best sense raw material. It also has these um, epistemic consequences uh, in terms of rethinking our own vocabulary we use so we yeah we we are used to use in art history and to to analyze and understand and engage with artworks in that sense um, um i think the the contributions by our wonderful authors really challenge to at the at the meta level to rethink the vocabulary and terminology we use to work with art. And in that sense, matter for having that analytic qual quality, uh, let's say um, water as both metaphor and analytic, analytic quality really invited us to, uh, to, to, to think as well the, let's say, disciplinary boundaries that many times shape our um, debates and discourses. Yeah, and, and you just sort of alluded to this, which is that cultural production is really the other focus of this book. Um, and and here you foreground the visual arts and uh, literary works and film um, primarily. Um, and this, this edited volume, I think, really spotlights the ways in which artists in Latin America and the Caribbean specifically have long been in dialogue with water, liquids, and fluids as material signifiers and ontological materials, as you call it. Um, and so I was wondering, <clears throat> maybe Liliana, you can, you can speak about um, your selection of aesthetic practices and how they open up larger questions about history, ecology, temporality, and the, these much broader issues that, um, that you bring into the, the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let me go one step, uh, let's say, before that, um, to, to, let's say, discuss a bit the artworks and uh, the, the, the choice we've made. I think um, Lisa and I, we decided um, to, to have a, a call for papers and really to reach out to a large audience who always had already worked with water in this many uh, forms and in many guises. And it was overwhelming um, how many good contribution and answers we got from the scientific community and also by artists who curators who really felt um, to respond to this call so in that sense we um, with let's say with the audience with, with these calls we um, and with the answers we understood that water has been already very deeply um, let's say um, thought by many scholars not only by those who identify themselves uh, already being part of the oceanic uh, oceanic studies or critical oceanic studies and I think this was also for the liquid ecology a sort of a foundational moment as we started to uh, as I just mentioned, to take um, water 
but not only water, also other kinds of uh, fluid materials, serious in the way uh, to um, think, to really think with water and to really think our environments with with the fluid um, relationship we had and that are so many times so contaminated and um, stressed in, in modern times. So now I go back to your question. So for me, it was... Um, for me, it was clear that I wanted to discuss in particular the, the, the video work work by the Colombian artist um, Clemencia Echeverry because she beautifully and critically dedicated um, um, her work to understand the, the so embedded political violence in Colombia through water and specifically through uh, the, the, the river landscape Colombia um, yeah, the river landscape, who as an alternative memory to the political violence embedded. And with her work, I understood that these absences that, let's say, a discursive uh, uh, realm to speak about the violence, to speak about the different forms of violence, such as um, forced disappearance, that, let's say, um, that many times in Colombia do not find an echo to be responded to, to be yeah, to to be right brought up to 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 claim rights. That specifically the work uh, by Clemencia Echeverry uh, helped me understand that art work or aesthetic practices, such as she uh, does with uh, her video works, address addresses these lacunae in a very serious sense. Understanding the river, in particular the river Cauca, as a um, as an own protagonist to respond to the um, yeah uh, yeah the, the not the immaterialization of rights uh, to uh, the political violence. So for me, it was very clear that uh, working and thinking with water was one mm, way to connect to talk about the political violence and to understand it better in its um, uh, memory layers and unspoken words and non-narrated histories. Um, yeah, so this this is uh, the work for Clemencia Echeverria. Of course, uh, the, the authors we, we invited, they have... Uh, they have different choices. Um, they do work with different kind of uh, um, visual arts and also literature. In that sense, we really were open to uh, invite those who 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 are able to work with water in these um, different dimensions and uh, aesthetic, um, yeah, ecstatic forms. Thank you, uh, Lisa. Did you want to add to that at all, or? Yeah, just maybe um, a point about the expansion um, of the aesthetic as well, which is very much operative in the book, insofar as it doesn't just address art making, right, cultural production kind of narrowly conceived, but as I said before, it really tries to insist on um, flow, manifestations of flow, as being in and of themselves aesthetic manifestations, and also hydraulic <laughs> phenomena, which attempt to harness and control that also um, being aesthetic manifestations. And so one concrete way in which this is materialized is through infrastructure, 
right? Um, and through the fluid mechanics and dynamics of, of bodies of water themselves. And that has very much a part in the book as well, which I think is really important. It's not so much this kind of only human representational lens, which passes through either, you know, verbal or visual representation um, and aesthetic codes, but also we're thinking with those infrastructures and those industries which intervene and intercept for instance, the temporality and the material uh, manifestations of rivers um, or oceans, insofar as those are live bodies that produce space, they produce landscape, right? And so I think that's something which is an important current in the book and a contribution that it makes um, to the field of the environmental humanities, right? Which in terms of environmental aesthetics is very often thinking both with those physical landscapes and ecologies and with um, ways in which human aesthetics mediate and remediate them um, in art and other forms of cultural production. And what's interesting is that there are some really productive meeting grounds also of those um, that go through the book. I was thinking of um, Sophie Hala's um, chapter about recent contemporary art from Chile, in which she works with Claudia Muller's um, really interesting kind of uh, infrastructural installations which are considering those ways of intercepting um, dynamic flows um, so there's a kind of thinking with those systems that come from industry um, and and there's some retracing work also of the way in which um, those human systems right, intercept and attempt to uh, harness um, liquid ecologies for, for purely human gain and the um, let's say the tensions and the frictions that and, and counterflows that emerge in those in those meeting points is something that um, many of the authors I think are really interested in the book and that I think it does some some important thinking about those um, those issues yeah and perhaps this is an opportunity to talk about your chapter a little bit because in fact this is this is a topic that you do address um, in your chapter titled turbulent river times art and hydropower in Latin America's extractive zones. Um, and in that essay, you, you examine hydro, uh, hydraulic infrastructures um, with 1970s site-specific work by kinetic artists uh, Carlos Custias and Alejandro Otero um, in the context of the, of the Guri Dam in Venezuela. Um, and... Uh, since we're on a podcast, I, I suppose it would be, um, we, we don't have sort of the visual medium by which we could look at these works, but um, maybe you could first describe these monumental installations and then, um, you know, how they uh, are important to your study of hydraulic technologies um, and industrial modernity in Latin America. Sure. So both my chapter and Liliana's are from the first part of the book, which is called Liquid Epistemologies. And so it's really asking for, in both our cases, in fact, the kind of material temporalities that are embedded in liquid environments. And um, so whereas Liliana's thinking about memory work and um, kind of residues and traces of violence, um, what my chapter attempts to do is to think about the way in which industrial um, systems of uh, harnessed the temporality of, of river flows um, and oriented them towards productivity um, and 
modernization and the metronome of modernity understood broadly as the systematization of natural resources with a view to uh, the accumulation of wealth, right, and the, the project of, of human development, quote-unquote. So the chapter kind of starts off by doing some of this tracing of how um, silk mills in the north of England um, tapped into local rivers um, to power uh, machinery, quite literally, um, how rivers were channelized to provide liquid highways for goods uh, in a connected global economy um, of primary resources and manufacturing centers, and then of course urban centers, um, which grew rapidly off the back of this. So one of the other things the book tries to do in kind of stretching out these connections between different geographical areas is to understand the interconnected ways in which these global systems of um, industry and modernity uh, occur in different periods and with different manifestations in Latin America versus Europe, but are ultimately intertwined. So the chapter then moves to thinking closely with the Orinoco Basin, as you just mentioned. So this is you know, one of the kind of mythical and kind of iconic um, hydrological basins of of uh, Latin America, and one which, as we know from colonial times, was very much lodged in the European um, navigational imaginary as being a site of untold wealth. So the, the chapter does some work thinking about how the Venezuelan state created what was then the world's largest hydroelectric plant, Aguri, uh, in the 1970s, amid um, an, an incredible boom in oil uh, resources in the midst of um, the, the global oil crisis of, that, of the early 1970s. And with those additional resources commissioned the kinetic artist Carlos Cruzillas uh, and Alejandro Otero to create these site-specific works there. And so, of course, we don't have the, the benefit of the images, but just to imagine a turbine room of um, two turbine rooms of this hydroelectric plant, 250 meters long, these vast cathedrals of industry um, being turned into by Cruz Diaz, an artwork um, in and of themselves. So he intervened with these, as he did you know, over his lifetime, with these polychromatic murals, which as you move through the space, create this vibrational field of color, which uh, mapped onto what was happening, you know, this water coursing through the turbines and lighting up the electric grid um, and powering the nation. This is kind of the, the discourse that accompanied these works. Um, and thinking of that, Intervention in the river, you know, to create a hydroelectric plant, you have to create a huge um, uh, reservoir of available liquid resource, which then, you know, having staunched the flow of the river, you open and close your um, your 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 gates to enable this water to flow, and then it, you know, absolutely transforms the river um, further downstream, and thus all the lives that live with that river in and with it. So this has been something which um, has been, you know, very much criticised in um, environmental work, um, 
but that also contemporary artists in Latin America are also picking up at this point as we see a second boom from the beginning of the 21st century to, the, to now in the construction of mega dams and hydroelectric infrastructure, which is, again, not as green um, and certainly not as sustainable as uh, the prevailing discourse would have us believe. So the chapter then turns to the work of Carolina Caicedo, the... Uh, contemporary Colombian artist who has been working for many years as an artist researcher um, looking at, um, through her project Be Damned, the impacts on river time, right, so the lives, the inter intertwined lives of riverine communities and rivers themselves. Um, and it spends some time thinking with her um, River Serpent book, which is an incredible uh, installation in and of itself, a sculptural artifact, but also a useful repository of testimonies of river-dwelling beings, whether those are human or non-human, poems, um, corporate um, documents about the hydropower um, construction, um, satellite doc um, images, and so on and so forth, which can be used in an act in workshops activated as performance and presented as a sculpture and thinking about the way in which she composes through this accordion shaped book these much more complex and turbulent river times um, which also as Liliana you know shows in her in her chapter and other of our contributors uh, Rory O'Brien, Gina McDaniel Tarvey many of these Chapters are thinking about the way those material memories resurface and become emergent from those submerged places and bring to the surface, you know, bodies, other times, other life um, worlds which haven't been reckoned with in the kind of dominant pursuit of, of modernity um, in the region. So that's why I think for us it's interesting to think with the bodies of water themselves and with the infrastructures that intercept them and also the creative ways in which artists are finding um, uh, aesthetic um, remediations of those spaces to bring to the surface these kind of uh, negated, abject, forgotten, overlooked, othered um, ways of living and knowing uh, through and with water. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Yeah, and um, I guess to turn to to Liliana's essay, even though you already gave us some insights into um, some of its contents, Liliana, um, the essay that you that you wrote for the book uh, titled "Acts of Reima uh, Remaining Acts of Remaining," excuse me, liquid ecologies and memory work in contemporary art interventions, um, in fact, focuses on the artist um, Clemencia, who you who you already mentioned, but also Maria Magdalena Compos Bones. And I was wondering if you could expand a little bit on um, 
what you wrote in in relationship to uh, Compost Bone's work, um, who also is is working with liquids as artistic medium, um, but also ontological material that um, really points our attention to obscured or lost histories of of social and and potentially ecological violence in uh, in Cuba. Um, so I was wondering if you can explain how this operates in her work, um, and and also perhaps th- this is an opportunity to talk about some of the other sort of liquids that in fact do 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 come up in, in the volume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, indeed, um, uh, the work by um, Maria Magdalena Campos Pons is a very complex one and uh, very many layered and. Um, her work um, juxtaposed to or in dialogue with uh, Clemencia Echeverri's work very makes clear that both um, work on on the idea what I frame memory work, indeed um, uh, delving into the um, less perceptible, even not perceptible psychic and material sedimentation um, that might be brought up with water or any other um, uh, fluids, right? In the case uh, of uh, Maria Magdalena Campos Pons, and that I discuss a bit in this essay, um, she um, she works on an installation um, with tubes. Um, yeah, um, installation constellation of uh, materializing alcohol distillation, uh, referring to her Cuban heritage, but also to her migratory experience moving from Cuba uh, to uh, the East Coast, um, to the industrial uh, center um, at Boston, who's a city who stands really for the modernization of the Caribbean. And what she very uh, delicately and very, very sensual work uh, makes uh, makes uh, experience or make 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 feel is that alcohol is not at all, so to speak, a cultural product. But well, it is a cultural product, but a cultural product with a large, uh, violent material history into which slavery is deeply embedded. And without slavery, uh, alcohol would not be possible. So in that sense, in her work. Um, both the, the idea of culture and the product of alcohol, which is consumed in Western cultures many times, um, there is at the same time as a double-faced uh, side, the, 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 the violent history and the, um, yeah, the, the slavery, uh, which is, is forgotten. Yeah, basically forgotten and unspoken when consuming alcohol, and she does it, let's say, in a very subtle way. She she does expose through um, the material of water or alcohol distilling in the processes itself that alcohol has a long and deep, uh, deeply rooted history that we. Um, are not aware of or are amnesic uh, about it, right? So in that sense, her work very sadly contests this amnesia of our own Western culture and contests the of yeah um, um, amnesia of the entanglement of culture of both culture and violence, um, and she does this really um, by by a installation uh, in Boston some years ago where she uh, 
used to um, very to work both with her island, native island of Cuba, but also with the, the work, the in situ installation, the work with Boston as a main industrial center, really helping um, to bring the East Coast to wealth. And she does this by... Um, materializing the destillation or the alcohol destilling through sounds to color through a performance she um, realized uh, in the museum and um, really crying out that um, non-narrated history. In that sense um, it, her work is uh, really um, a, a, a decolonial invitation to dismantle, to, to look critically at our own narrated uh, cultural histories and understanding as well that wealth has its uh, darker side or uh, of uh, history that we are uh, many times uh, or mostly every time forgotten when just even um, I don't know um, drinking drinking alcohol in that sense the the fluid of alcohol or the liquid of alcohol is um, which of course uh, includes or expands the the, the 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 notion of water is here um, very intriguingly um, yeah um, materials performed in her installation and um, telling different stories um, of uh, migration, telling her personal stories and telling um, these, as I just mentioned, that the psychic and um, yeah, material sedimentation of material histories. Um, so both of your essays, uh, as you mentioned, Lisa, figure into the, the first section of the, the edited volume. Uh, maybe you can give us a sense of uh, the other sections and what they're doing uh, in, the, in the book. Sure. So the, the first, it has three parts, the book. Um, and the first, as I said, is, is titled Liquid Epistemologies and has to do with this question of knowing through water um, Kind of inherent ways of knowing uh, in water, um, watery flows. So both Liliana and I have essays there, along with uh, Adriana Campos, who's looking very particularly at recent film and documentary um, work with water. The second section is called Decolonized Flows, and that D has brackets around it. Um, and there we've got three contributions. Um, looking at kind of, um, <clears throat> let's say, the, the kind of unleashed power of water to uh, help us think about these modes of um, slow violence, um, the environmentalism of the poor, in the case of Roy O'Brien's chapter on um, the mangrove in the Colombian Caribbean. So thinking there with um, the poetry that represents um, and, and um, life folds on, on and those kind of uh, amphibious spaces um, as also places of um, of racial um, um, of racism and and structural forms of slow violence Gina McDaniel Tarver in her chapter in that section talks about the impacts of mining um, on Colombian riverways and gives us a really nice kind of historic um, genealogy of Colombian eco-art um, through um, the work of Alicia Barney and Clemencia Echeverri. 
Um, and then Juliana and Remba's chapter that I mentioned earlier on Amazonian Waterway, Amazonian Waterworld, is looking at, again, this issue of how development projects, in this case the Hidrovia, um, uh, that is being um, developed in the Peruvian uh, Amazon, confronts right, the, the legacy of colonization um, and the subsequent kind of rubber boom um, forms of industrialization of this riverway with indigenous artists in the Peruvian Amazon whose work um, insists on the vitality um, and the central importance to indigenous cosmovision of, of, that, of those bodies of water. And we have two subsequent parts to the book, um, uh, Fluid Memories, um, where Esther Monivais, um, as you mentioned right at the start of the podcast, gives us this really helpful overview of um, artists in Latin America, women artists who've been working with um, water, specifically through performance and action art. And that draws on Esther's doctoral um, research into uh, eco-feminist epistemologies. And Irene de Pedrishoving, whose work, Memories in the Present, um, is looking at contemporary aquatic environments in, in Chile. Um, and Irene has done a lot of important work also on post-dictatorship memory um, within uh, the Southern Cone. And the final section is called Bodies of Water. And um, we have uh, chapters by um, Elizabeth de Lowry and Tatiana Flores, who are looking specifically at the Caribbean um, as again, this kind of interconnected um, space of counter-memory, um, which both poetry and art um, of the Caribbean have encouraged us to, to look at the interconnectivity of, of colonial violence um, there as emerging through uh, um, art and, and, and poetry. Paul Merchant's chapter on Cecilia Vicuña's liquid indigeneity looks there at um, how um, this incredible um, Chilean um, powerhouse of contemporary uh, feminist art um, has constantly connected with questions of um, the enlivened life worlds of both uh, riverine and um, oceanic um, environments. So he's looking particularly at um, Kong Kong and the performance and video work there. And the, it closes with Sophie Alat's chapter, Water of a Hundred Eyes, Reconfiguring Liquidity, which looks at contemporary Chilean art as well in the context of this shift. Um, and this is extremely timely considering what's happening with constitutional reform in Chile right now. The shift with the um, Pinochet dictatorship's new constitution, which set the place for what she can kind of con, um, conceptualize as a sort of dry economy of resources to be tapped as sort of this anti-maternal, anti-embodied um, sense of connectivity, sort of the deadening and the instrumentalization of life um, as the, the backdrop to the broader project of neoliberalism. So she looks at artists who kind of counterpose other life worlds with that or that critique that instrumentalization by re-enlivening um, the relationship to different aquatic environments. So again, it's this kind of very, um, these kind of tides in the book that take us to different places, different times, um, but running through them is this, you know, very consistent theme of the stories that these bodies of water can tell, the embodiment that is central to understanding our place um, 
uh, on the planet and the ethics of planetary stewardship within that and the way in which art making, cultural production broadly can bring to the fore those conversations in, in hopefully not only critical but also kind of generative and imaginative ways. Yeah, and um, in your introduction, you both do also um, allude to uh, exhibitions and curatorial practice as another kind of space um, in which uh, I think the arts are are moving um, towards the the liquid turn, as you put it. And um, you mentioned the 2017 exhibition, Relational Undercurrents, Contemporary of the Caribbean Archipelago at the Museum of Latin American Art in California, and then the 2014 show, Water Reavers, The River in Contemporary Visual and Material Culture at the Bard Graduate Center Gallery in New York. Um, and, and you do foreground these exhibitions as, as having some some sort of inspiration or influence on, on your book as well. And I think, you know, the, these exhibitions along with um, the, the contents of your book really attest to this liquid turn in, in the visual arts or in visual culture um, and uh, I guess cultural production more broadly. Um, but now I guess I, I was, as I was rereading this book over the last couple of days, I, I was also following sort of the de- the deadly news of the floods in, in Pernambuco, Brazil, um, as they were being reported. And I was thinking about the ways that we are now forced to, to reckon with more intense precipitation events due to anthropogenic uh, climate change. And um, I'm just sort of, this is really is a question about sort of the future or where maybe the liquid turn might be going. Um, and I was wondering if you could share how you see our relationship to water changing as we seek to manage floods um, and rising sea levels, but also as we try to build, um, you know, uh, conceivably renewable energy systems, which, you know, hydropower is uh, certainly being pushed uh, as one of those um, uh, systems. But uh, as you said, uh, it, that that perspective is, is questionable. Um, so I was just, yeah, wondering um, where you see our relationship to water changing given these circumstances and perhaps what, what art's role is in this process. And um, I don't know, maybe Liliana could start with by answering that question. Yeah, this is, a, this is an important question, actually. And I think uh, liquid ecologies uh, really points to this as um, also the, the aesthetic practices and uh, artistic uh, art, the artwork chosen by our author really configure those alternative horizons to uh, live, uh, think and um really uh, understand water in, in the sense that uh, that it's not uh, becoming an abstract um, way, just a uh, raw material or a commodity. I think um, arts in that sense has the capacity to remind us and to imagine with us these alternative horizon of living together, of living together in, in, in a healthy um careful way with all uh, in the world right and of course um as, as 
some also the, the work just to, to mention one, Carolina Caicedo's um, uh, engagement with river communities uh, in Colombia really makes clear that uh, art um, art has the capacity of activate, um, um, let's say, communities to work on different models on hydro commons and taking it really serious uh, uh, to think through and with the commons. And I think water and um, yeah, all the contribution of liquid ecologies really imagines this very clearly. Water um, invites us to... Um, to think those alternative uh, worlds. In that sense, um, um, arts um, is, uh, is, yeah, is, has capacity and is one of the resources to, to make participate in a larger audience, yeah? larger means um, a, a public, uh, um, a community which not necessarily are academic or scientific or um, specific, but in larger community to, to develop and invent new ecologies of care, um, to care for both the environment and the other humans and to really um, maybe heal or, um, or help us heal those uh, damaged relationship uh, we have with the environment as, as modern societies. And um, liquid ecologies, I hope, will appeal to, to this kind of um, possibilities and uh, choices of possibilities we have as an audience and yeah, and I think that the future isn't, um, there are certainly bleak events um, and, you know, water, but I think there's a growing sense that water is this contested environment where people are able to read very quickly the asymmetries. And there's a really excellent example from the elections in Colombia at the weekend. So uh, on election day, the incumbent, Ivan Duque, had a red carpet rolled out to come out from Casa Nariño to go and vote. It was raining in Bogota. He was under the umbrellas and being saluted, you know, in a very ceremonial pomp. This was circulating on social media, contrasted with a photograph of absolutely inundated centers of um, voting centers where people were wading through water, poor people in, in kind of precarious environments going to vote and so this you know this wasn't mediated by any artist it was purely there in the media and confronting these asymmetries and I think that what we're seeing now is this greater shift towards um, a demand for healthier uh, bodies of water um, we're seeing you know urban policies that are remediating uh, almost dead urban rivers um, uh, here in Brazil, it's really interesting to witness the work of activist groups who are doing really important work at the intersection of community practices and um, conservation work and art um, activism to push and lobby for public policies that really um, finally, you know, confront this debt, this socio-ecological debt with our waterways. Um, and another thing that both Lillian and I are interested in with other people we're assembling now, a group to consider the specific intersections of rights of nature legislation that are giving um, rights to particular bodies of water and that again is creating this uh, intersection of aesthetics and socio-environmental conflicts whereby 
artists have a role to play in mediating that uh, personhood of bodies of water as uh, constituents of our common environment that require protection, whose rights need to be defended. Um, so those ecologies of care that are emergent and being put into practice, both through legislation, through uh, community, um, active communities, and also through the arts, I think really are the space where this liquid turn is also gaining ground in in contributing um, richly uh, and um, generatively to public imaginaries of the hydro commons, um, and that I think give us source for for some hope um, within, you know, this as you say, kind of ever more unpredictable hydrological um, sphere that we inhabit. And um, so, what we hope is that our, you know, the book both contributes to this by you know, laying some, um, some some groundwork for these conversations that we hope to continue having um, in dialogue with these these emergent practices and shifts in, in the public realm um, in the future. So I think yeah, there's certainly lots there to, to keep working with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, I, I think that's sort of a, a good good way to come to a close I, I i think um that's a good way to end at least on on this aspect or idea of hope <laughs> um so i i'll ask one last question um what are each of you working on now um and and maybe lisa you could begin um sure so i'm at the minute working on um a series of of chapters for um, an upcoming monograph. So all of next year I'll be dedicating to, to working on this project, Imagining the Hydro Commons, Water, Art and Infrastructure in Latin America. And it's, you know, doing some of this work of looking historically at relations between hydrologic um, and hydro and hydraulic infrastructure, um, projects of modernity, and then thinking forward with art making, which is encouraging other ways of relating um, to and through water, um, right through to these questions that I've just mentioned um, just now about projects for urban recovery of, of waterways, and rights of nature discourses and ecologies of care um, within contemporary art um, and, and urban and um, rural activism. Um, so that's a, a real joy to be kind of doing that work now um, and also continuing to work with the Entre Rios Collective. So um, we have this digital platform where artists contribute their, their practice research um, processes um, as a forum also then that feeds into our teaching with students um, not just in Essex, but mainly actually in Latin American universities and the public programs that we've been running. So really trying to sustain that um, hydro community of people who are working with bodies of water across the region. Um, so artists in Mexico, in Colombia, Peru, um, and it would be wonderful to, to expand into Brazil now. And um, to, to keep that sort of community of people who are thinking together going, um, and yeah, that's the focus of, of the work now. Great, Liliana. 
Yeah, um, yeah. Thank you. Um, of course, Lisa and I we do work on uh, another project um, to be born soon and to, to continue to expand uh, and to think further with liquid ecologies. Um, I have two other uh, related projects. Uh, one um, edited volume which is on extractive zones and exhibition I had last year at the Museum of Cultures in, in Basel, Switzerland, and there um, I work. I have worked uh, with um, some artists such as uh, Carolina Caicedo and um, uh, Maria Teresa Alves, um, where um, both uh, my, the co-curator um, Alexander Prost and I were preparing the discursive uh, context of extractive zones and the, the role of arts have to really um, um, build the capacity to 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 go, yeah, to 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 build, to find, to um, to, to imagine these alternative horizon. Um, so I'm be working on this very concretely, and the other is a uh, pending third monograph on um, contested amnesia, the role of dissonant rights of dissonant voices to contest amnesia and. Um, yeah, post-conflict uh, situations such as Colombia and, 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 and Lebanon, both looking at literature and contemporary art, how they frame, how they rethink the idea or the, let's say the political agenda of post-conflict. And there as well, I dedicate myself to the forensic memory in particular and the role of human or expanded human rights because also landscape become become part of the post-conflict in that sense. Um, so I, I continue somehow the liquid ecologies um, in these two um, different um, book projects. They will materialize soon. Great. Well, thank you both for uh, joining me in this podcast today. And, um, you know, I, I encourage everybody to uh, to read this edited volume. It's, it's a really wonderful contribution, I think, to Latin American studies and um, art history, visual culture, and um, the the various other disciplines in which uh, this book touches on. So um, please, please do find a copy uh, where you can. Um, so thank you, Lisa, and thank you, Liliana, and um, goodbye. <laughs> thank you very much, Elise. Thank you.